We have found the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who brings us truth and grace. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard, Je- who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Not too long ago, there was a show on TV called Vikings, and as its title makes obvious, it was about the Vikings, this group of Norsemen in medieval Europe who would travel the coastline and the rivers, and they would uh, raid these coastal towns, pillage, plunder, sack, and uh, return with all kinds of bounty. And as I'm sure we can all imagine, a show based on the Vikings would be fairly violent, and this one was. I caught a few episodes several years ago and kind of lost interest and didn't think of it until I was surprised when I heard a a Catholic bishop call Vikings the most religiously interesting show on television. Bishop Robert Barron, a well-known Catholic bishop and auxiliary in L.A., wrote an article about this. So I said, well, I got to i got to see what he, what he says. And he acknowledged very violent, very gory, all this stuff that makes Vikings not exactly a, a family-friendly show, but he said it's, it's drenched in religion. And what he meant by that was every single character in this series is deeply religious. Now, in one sense, that's simply historically accurate because up until a few centuries ago, it was unthinkable for a person not to take religion seriously. But more than just being historically accurate, Bishop Barron praised the creators for going against the reigning orthodoxy in much of the entertainment industry. The characters should be presented as though they are indifferent to the world of faith. When I read that line, it was at one and the same time uh, profound, but also painfully obvious. I thought of all the shows in TV, uh, TV shows and movies I'd watched over the years where religion just seemed not in the picture. It didn't inform how people lived. It didn't help them address the moral questions or the arc of the story. It was just not that relevant. There's a name, and I should say, I know there are exceptions, but I think by and large, Bishop Barron, is, he hits the nail on the head. And there's a name for the way Hollywood is treating religion and God. It's called practical atheism. It's uh, a, a theoretical atheist is one who denies the existence of God. 
Practical atheists don't deny God exists, but they live as if he didn't. Uh, you know, they might not object to religious rights. They may not deny the truths of the faith, but they deem them ir irrelevant for their life. You know, um, detached from life and pointless. We'll come back to practical atheism. I think it's a, it's a force in our culture. I think it's a danger in our culture. But I mention it because our readings, they offer a strong counter-argument against it. So in our first reading, we see Samuel, the Lord calls him. With the guidance of Eli, he recognizes it's the voice of the Lord. And God is essentially calling him to be a prophet. He'll go on to be one of the great prophets. In our gospel, we see John point out Jesus is the Lamb of God. Two of John's disciples follow Jesus. One of those disciples, Andrew, gets his brother Simon to come to Jesus. And Jesus calls Simon Peter, changes his name to Peter, um, foreshadows the mission he'll give Peter as not just an apostle, but the first of the apostles, first pope, the foundation upon which the church that Jesus will found is built. I think there are three main takeaways we can get that, that help us uh, that, that give us a solid counter-argument to practical atheism. First, it shows us, uh, these readings show us that God not only exists, but that he seeks us out. Very often in life, we will talk of somebody finding religion or finding Jesus, but in reality, it's the other way around. Samuel did not find God. God found Samuel. Peter did not find Jesus. Andrew uh, brought him to Jesus. God worked through Andrew to, to find Jesus, if you will, in, in, or, or to find Peter, Simon. Why does God seek us out? Because he wants a relationship with us. He wants a real friendship with us. He wants us to be in communion with him. Secondly, we see that God, he, he wants us to participate in this plan for salvation history that has been unfolding from all eternity. He calls Samuel to be a prophet, Peter to be an apostle, to be the head of the apostles, first pope. We all have a mission in life that's uniquely our own, that's given to us and not to another. And, you know, we might not even know what it is in this life, but if that's the case, we'll be told it in the next. It's our mission. It might not be as visible as Samuel or Peter's, but it's ours nonetheless. And as the life of Samuel and the life of Peter show us, and we see this throughout sacred scripture, throughout salvation history, we can only fulfill that mission if we're living in relationship and communion with God. And then finally, these readings point to the reality of the church and our need for the church to uh, be in communion with God and to fulfill this mission. Uh, notice the Lord speaks to Samuel, calls his name Samuel, but Samuel doesn't recognize it's the Lord. It's only when he goes to the priest Eli, and Eli gives him the guidance that this is the Lord that he puts two and two together. Now, God is God. He could have appeared to Samuel and said, Samuel, I am the Lord your God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses. But God didn't do that. He worked through the priest Eli. Same thing with Peter. Jesus could have sought Peter out, but he chose to work through Andrew. He chose to work through Andrew to bring Simon Peter to Jesus. And so it is with the church. I mean, 
What, what this shows us is our relationship with Jesus, it's never just me and Jesus, never just me and God. It's, it's as a part of the church that Christ founded, the community, right? Because it's in the church that we receive the sacraments, which is where we most intensely encounter Christ, especially in the Eucharist. It's in the, the church that we're taught how to pray. And it's to the church that Christ entrusted the deposit of faith, right? All that God has revealed to us in sacred scripture, in tradition, official teachings of the church. And if we want to be in communion with God, if we want to grow, if we want that communion to deepen, then we want to build our life on the foundation of what God, who cannot deceive nor be deceived, has revealed to be true. Let's return to uh, practical atheism for a moment. I mention it because I think it's a it's a not just a cult uh, uh, excuse me a power in our culture, but it's a subtle danger even for believers. Right? Practical atheism it's prevalent in pop culture, and we all consume pop culture. We all consume entertainment, and I would. This is a topic for another conversation, but I would include news under the heading of entertainment. What we watch, what we read, what we listen to, it affects us. And I would dare say it affects us a lot more than we think. You think of it this way. If we give God one hour a week at Mass, but then the rest of our time we are consuming hours upon hours of pop culture, eventually what is going to influence us, us more? Now, nothing's impossible for God, but if we are consuming pop culture and entertainment hour upon hour, it will begin to influence us, our life, how we view the world, how we think we should act, the importance of God in our life, the importance of faith, and on and on. The solution, I would say, is twofold. One, we need to decrease the amount of time we engage with pop culture. I didn't say eliminate. Decrease. I mean, obviously, I began this homily talking about how I had watched a few episodes of Vikings. And later today, I'm going to be watching football. Um, it's okay to engage in moderation, but I would dare say we all probably could use to decrease the amount of time we're engaging with pop culture. And the second thing is to increase the amount of time we're engaging the Lord in prayer, in the sacraments, and I would also say engaging his revelation. God has revealed himself to us in scripture, in tradition, in the teaching of the church. So we need to drink deeply from this reservoir and regularly. We need to read the scripture. We need to read the catechism. We need to read good Catholic books or, or, or watch good Catholic videos, good content. In fact, I'll give a real specific example of this. Uh, Father Mike Schmitz a priest from Minnesota, he, uh, at the beginning of this year, he put out a podcast called Read the Bible in a Year, or The Bible in a Year, I think. And every single day, he's reading a few passages from Scripture and giving a reflection on it. It's 25 minutes at most. Usually it's shorter than that. That is less than the time of a 30-minute TV show. You know, if we listen to a podcast like this every single day, that's Something we can do every day to engage with God, with his revelation, that can help deepen our communion with him and fortify us against the practical atheism of the culture. Let's become men and women of prayer who frequent the sacraments and who drink deeply from God's revelation, what he has revealed to us to be true. 
so that we can withstand practical atheism and become the saints he created us to be.